Good evening, church family. Uh, thank you for joining us on our Good Friday gathering. My name is Brett. I am a pastor here at City Light Lincoln South. Uh, I want to, again, say welcome. Thanks for joining in for our live stream. Uh, this gathering is a little bit different than most gatherings. Uh, on Sunday, we're going to gather together as a church family, and we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, that he victoriously rose from the grave. But today, this Friday, right now, what we want to do is we want to pause, we want to reflect, and we want to remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And so as we dive in tonight, I want to invite you on a journey with me. And as we journey, we're going to go back almost 2,000 years ago to a city called Jerusalem. The city is bursting at the seams with people running around in the hustle and bustle. They're buying food, preparing food, and they're getting ready to celebrate the Jewish nation's most popular holiday, the Passover. And this is in this setting that we find Jesus. Jesus has just celebrated the Passover meal, and he's journeying outside the city of Jerusalem. He's walking with some of his closest companions. And as we see him, as they walk, we can begin to feel the air begin to cool down outside as the sun sinks lower in the sky. We can hear the breeze start to blow through the trees as Jesus and his companions approach their destination, a quiet place where they can pray, a garden called Gethsemane. And that's where our story picks up. Let's turn together to Mark chapter 14. We're going to be in verse 22 as we continue our story. Verse 32, And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. Other translations say that in this moment, Jesus was gripped by horror and deep alarm. See, this isn't the type of distress that you feel when you're stuck in traffic or you stub your toe. This isn't even the type of distress you feel when you lose your job or you are waiting to hear back the test results of an illness or a disease. Now this is a wrenching, devouring distress. It leads Jesus to say in verse 34, look at it with me, that my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. This is pain, this is distress and sorrow to the max. It's a sorrow that brings Jesus, he says, to the very brink of death. Verse 35 goes on. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. This is an anxiety so great that Jesus' knees begin to buckle. His balance falters. He falls to the ground and he cries out, Father, let this moment pass from me. When we read this, when we read this, it's easy to miss how shocking this statement is. Think for a moment about the man saying this words. This is Jesus, 
He's the one who's cast out demons. He commanded the raging sea to be stilled. He walked on water. He's done countless miracles. He's multiplied the fishes and loaves. He turned the water into wine. He's healed the lame. He's again and again with confidence and grace confronted the religious leaders. He withstood the temptations of Satan in the desert. He's done all of these things with unparalleled strength. We've never seen Jesus the way he is right now in the garden. So why this? Why now? What could possibly make this man, the strongest and most confident man we've ever seen, be, as verse 34 says, sorrowful even to death? What could lead the Prince of Peace to be filled with this kind of anguish and anxiety? As he lies there, too weak to move, we see him pray, verse 36. Look at it with me. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And here lies our answer. What is the source of anxiety and anguish and sorrow that Jesus is facing? It is the cup that Jesus talks about in verse 36. Jesus cries out in prayer, remove this cup from me. But what is this cup that Jesus is referring to? It's clear that what Jesus is alluding to here is a reference to the Old Testament. In Isaiah 51 and Jeremiah 25 and other places, we see this cup described as the cup of God's wrath. This cup is a metaphor to describe God's righteous judgment on all sin. It's filled to the brim with God's righteous punishment for evil. It's a cup that's intended for all of sinful humanity to drink. It's our just desserts for the sin present in each of our lives. In other words, it's a cup intended for you and me. One author describes this cup as being like all the fury of a volcanic eruption concentrated in a coffee mug. This is the source of Jesus' anxiety and great distress. This is the cup that the Father extends to Jesus, a cup that should have been reserved for you and me. Jesus faces the reality that he must now take the wrath that we deserve for our sin in our place. It's no wonder then that Jesus would cry out this prayer in verses 35 and 36. He says, is there any other way? Let this cup pass from me. And yet, we see Jesus ends his prayer with these words. Not what I will, but what you will, Father. Jesus, in essence, says, Father, I will drink the cup that you have given me to the last drop. Moments later, Jesus will be arrested by a mob of unruly men. He'll be tried, he'll be beaten, he'll be ridiculed, unjustly condemned to death, even though he's an innocent man. As we follow him through this series of events, we see his body 
beaten and tortured, a crown of thorns thrust onto his head, his hands and feet nailed to the cross, his broken and bloody body hoisted up on display for all to see. It brings us to the point in our story that Mark writes about, we see in chapter 15. Let's turn to Mark chapter 15. Be in verse 33. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Verse 34. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, the Son of God, who's existed in eternal intimacy and oneness with the Father, cries out. And for the first time in eternity, he hears nothing from the Father in response. The physical pain of crucifixion, as unbearable and horrible as it must be, is nothing in comparison with the pain that Jesus endures now. It's the pain of enduring all of God's displeasure and wrath for sin. It's the pain of hell. All there is for Jesus in this moment is the cup of God's wrath. Friends, don't miss the scandal of this moment. The only one who ever deserved heaven gets hell instead. We look at him on the cross and remember, it should have been me. It should have been you. It was our cross to bear and our wrath to endure. It was my cup to drink and yours. And Mark goes on. Chapter 15, verse 37. Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Jesus drinks the cup of God's wrath for us until there's nothing left. And with his last breath, the curtain of the temple is torn in two. See, the temple was a place of worship for the Jews, the place where God's presence was supposed to dwell among them. And the curtain of the temple for thousands of years always signified separation. The curtain separated the Holy of Holies where God's presence was supposed to dwell from the rest of the temple where sinful humans were allowed to be. A holy God was supposed to be on one side of the curtain and sinful humanity was supposed to be separated from him on the other side of the curtain. And at the moment of his death, this curtain is miraculously torn in two. In other words, the barrier between God and man is taken away, removed. Jesus has torn apart the barrier of sin that separated us and God. Jesus, by his death, has made a way for us to be brought near to the Father. Rather than be held at arm's length because of our sin, separated from God, we're welcomed to him, into his very presence, into the holy of holies, welcomed into the arms of the Father. The sin that separated us from God has been torn apart and done away with forever. Praise God that Jesus took the cup of wrath in our place and that he destroyed the sin that separated us from God. Yeah. And so, friends, in light 
of the cross. In light of the story that we just unfolded tonight, I want to give us two takeaways, two things to hold on to as we remember the death of Jesus. The first one, because Jesus died, the cup is empty. Because Jesus died, the cup is empty. The cup of wrath is empty. God's wrath against sin has been fully satisfied, done away with by the death of Jesus. Let's not take for granted that it was a cup meant for you and me. The pain that Jesus endured was supposed to be our pain. His suffering was supposed to be our suffering. His death was supposed to be our death. I don't say this to bring a sense of guilt to us. I just say it tonight so that we might remember our sin is not some trivial, small thing. Whether it seems big or small to you in your life, seen or unseen, it was our sin. It was my sin, your sin, that cost the Son of God his own life. It cost him his own blood to pay for. Your sin, my sin, led to an innocent man's death. Tonight, we remember the seriousness of our sin and the lengths that Jesus had to go to to free us from its penalty when he took the cup of God's wrath on our behalf. And we also need to be careful now when we say that Jesus took the wrath of the Father because sometimes we might start to think that the Father was like really angry with us and Jesus had to step in and, and, and make the Father love us again. And that's not true at all. We need to remember tonight John 3, 16. It says, God so loved the world that he what? He sent his son. The cross was the Father's plan from the very beginning. The Father sent the Son in love to die in our place. Tonight, we remember that because Jesus died, the cup is empty. And one author puts it this way, Jesus will drink all of the cup, leaving not a drop. Not only will he leave nothing in that cup of wrath for us to drink, but today, you and I find ourselves with another cup in our hands. It's the cup of salvation. From this precious new cup, we find ourselves drinking and drinking, drinking consistently, drinking endlessly, drinking eternally, for the cup of salvation is always full and overflowing. Tonight, instead of the cup of wrath, we are offered the cup of salvation. For those of us who have trusted in Jesus, take heart because there is no wrath left for you. Our first takeaway, praise God, because Jesus died, the cup is empty. And our second takeaway, the second thing that I want us to, to go with tonight is this, because Jesus died, the curtain is torn. Because Jesus died, the curtain is torn. The sin that separates you and God has been done away with forever. There is no sin, no amount of guilt or shame that can keep you from God. Because of the cross, you've been brought into his full embrace. With your sin removed, you are pulled in so close to the Father that you can hear his heartbeat. 
This means that the biggest, ugliest, hairiest sin in your life, the thing you're most ashamed of, the sin that has haunted you for so long or that you, you, you just can't seem to get over as much as you fight, it can't stand between you and God. Jesus has torn it down. No amount of sin, no amount of shame will ever be able to separate you from God's love because the curtain is torn. We have full access to the Father, 24-7, 365. One of the lies that Satan will tell us when we mess up or when we fall into sin is that the curtain has been replaced. That somehow, by our power, we've hung the curtain that Jesus tore down back up. That we've sinned or messed up so bad that the curtain is replaced. That we're too far from God to go near him again. And this is a lie from hell. What Jesus has torn down has been permanently torn down for all time. Psalm 103 says that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sin from us. The curtain is not only torn down, it's been cast into the depths of the sea. When God looks at you, he no longer sees your sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 puts it this way. It says, For our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. I'll read that one more time, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, when God looks at you, he sees you clothed in the righteousness of his son. He sees you as if you had never sinned. Because the Father sent Jesus to take the cup on your behalf, you are righteous. Jesus has made you righteous. And because we are righteous, we can begin to live righteously. Because it's who we are. We're living out of our identity, who God has made us to be. And if you're listening tonight, if you have trusted in Jesus... Can I ask you a question? Do you live weighed down by your guilt? Do you let your shame still stand as a curtain between you and God? Tonight, my plea for you is would you look at the cross and remember that the cup is empty and the curtain is torn? You are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for you. This is who you are. You're forgiven. You're declared righteous. You're drawn so close to the Father that you're in His arms. You're pressed close enough to Him to hear His heart beat. No matter where you're at or what you're feeling or what sin you're struggling against in this moment, The Father looks on you tonight with pride. He is so proud of you. He's got you in his arms and he is not letting go. Jesus died so that you could be brought near to the Father. And maybe you're listening tonight 
and you've never trusted or believed that Jesus died for you, my plea for you is that would tonight be the night that you run to the Father? Jesus tore down the curtain so that you could draw near to the Father. There is no sin, there's no struggle, there's nothing that you're going through in your life that's too big for Jesus. So run to the Father. Whatever you've been chasing after, whatever you've been pursuing, whatever you've been living for, would you turn your back on it and would you run to the Father? Because the cup is empty, there is no disapproval. There is no wrath. There is nothing left for you but the love, the acceptance, and the joy of the Father. You will be met by the Father with pride and rejoicing, not condemnation. Romans 8.1 says that if anyone is in Christ, there is no condemnation left for them. And because the curtain is torn, you can be sure that no sin will be able to separate you from the Father ever again. My plea for you tonight in the best way you know how is to run to the Father. Tonight, friends, would we remember that the cup is empty. Because Jesus died in our place, the wrath of God is satisfied. It's done away with forever. Would we remember that the curtain is torn? Because Jesus died, our sin no longer stands as a barrier between us and God. We are brought near to the Father. So tonight, would we look to the cross and would we remember that the cup is empty and the curtain is torn? Let's pray. Jesus, tonight, we look to the cross and we remember your sacrifice. We confess that it was our sin, my sin, that nailed you to the cross. And we confess that our sin is not a small thing in your eyes. So we ask, Lord, for forgiveness for the ways that our sin has caused you pain and suffering. And we thank you that you declare us righteous, that we are in the arms of the Father. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. And I want to pray for those people listening right now, listening to this prayer. Maybe, maybe you've never had a defining moment where you decided to give your life to Jesus. Maybe right now you're, you're feeling the Spirit moving. Maybe he's, he's pricking your heart. And so I want to invite you in the best way you know how, in your own heart, just to confess that you believe that Jesus died for you. If that's you, would you just take a, a second and, and do that now to confess that? And now, Jesus, in the best way they know how, I pray that they would lay down the things they've been chasing instead and run to your arms. If that's you tonight, would you actually visualize yourself laying down the life you've been leading, the things that you've held on to, the things you've chased after, and would you actually visualize yourself running to the arms of the Father? Would you run to his arms now and know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus, that he welcomes you into his arms with pride and rejoicing? Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice that makes all of this possible. Amen.